Broadcasting live from the Business Radio X studios in Nashville, it's time for Nashville Business Radio. Now, here's your host. Hello again, everyone. Welcome to another edition of Nashville Business Radio. I'm John Ray, and we've got a good one for you today. Ben Papa is with us. Ben is the um, founder of Enneagram Solutions. Ben, welcome. Hey, thank you. Yeah, great to have you. So let's talk a little bit about you and how you're serving folks out there. T- tell us how you're uh, helping at Enneagram Solutions. Okay. So I'm an organizational development consultant, and so I, I come into companies usually working on um, leadership issues and particularly team issues um, around trying to have the way people show up as human beings in companies um, support their business goals. So I do a lot of uh, coaching, training, workshops that are all around improving the infect- effectiveness of people, particularly leaders, boards of directors, leadership teams. Um, so that they can then tap into their sort of business skills and knowledge to get to business success. So that's in a, in a short version of what I did. That's a worthy uh, uh, goal for, and, and uh, mission for sure. Uh, so Enneagram Solutions, obviously you're using the Enneagram as um, uh, a way to facilitate the objectives you have with uh uh, groups and individuals and organizations talk about what the Enneagram is for those that don't know. Yeah. So yeah, the Enneagram is, is one of a few, I use other tools too, but the Enneagram is my main, my main tool. And and basically what it is, is it, it's a, it's a system. It's a, almost like a personality um, system that's divided into nine different types. So each person that the theory is the Enneagram theory is that each person in on the planet is one of nine different um, ego types or ego strategies or Enneagram numbers. So those are all interchangeable kinds of things. And what you know when you know your number um, can be really, really helpful in terms of self-awareness and self-regulation. It can be a great tool to sort of understand how other people take what's going on with them, which can lead to improved collaboration and communication, those kinds of things. But each one is based on a core internal motivation one of the things I like about the Enneagram um, that a lot of other assessments don't do is it's the only tool that's really measuring core internal motivation. Most tools like DISC or Myers-Briggs or others, which are good tools, they're measuring external behaviors. And you can get some information from that. But I have found that when I'm working particularly with high-functioning leaders and you've got to kind of really dig deeper with people um, to get to some new learning, this core internal motivation can be really helpful because it animates everything you do personally and professionally. Um, and it can kind of shed a lot of light onto um, the tapes that you're playing in your own head that you may not be aware of, why you're sort of having the same hurdles all the time, what strengths there might be that you're not fully leveraging, that sort of thing. So I like the depth of it. And that that's really, I think, the reason why it's such a powerful tool for leadership development. I think you touched upon this a little bit, so you kind of anticipated my next question uh, uh, in a sense, Ben, but um, there are a lot of different tools you could work with as a leadership development consultant. Um, why the why do you emphasize the Enneagram versus a lot of the other tools that you could use, even person, even those that are personality-based? Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. So the, the model that I work from, I developed an, an Enneagram, I call it the Enneagram Maximum Effectiveness Model. And basically what that's saying is that there's three sort of groups of skills or buckets of skills that you need to have to be successful. One is self-awareness. The second is collaboration. And the third is engagement. And what the way the Enneagram connects in with those is there's three different intelligence centers that all human beings have access to. There's thinking, which is attached to the sort of self-awareness piece, what's going on inside of me, what's causing me to do what I do, what are my strengths, what are my you know blind spots, roadblocks, that sort of thing. The second one is more attached to the feeling intelligence center of the Enneagram. That's the collaboration piece. That's where we get communication, conflict management, um, those sorts of things. And then the third piece is the doing or the body intelligence center from the Enneagram. And that's where we get engagement. That's where we get energy, executive presence, follow through, all those kinds of things. So I've lined up the three Enneagram intelligence centers with those three organizational effectiveness tools. And then when you know your number on the Enneagram, you know which of those three areas you're likely to be strongest in, which of those three areas you're going to have more growth to, to work around. Um, so that's one of the ways I like this tool. Because again, to go back to that core internal motivation, you're able to get a level of depth and sophistication um, from the instrument that you may not be able to get from some of the other tools that are out there. And let's just, for, I mean, those that know the Enneagram know all this, okay? But I want to talk to those folks that don't. And so maybe you can give an example. You mentioned the nine uh, different uh categories uh maybe you can talk about some of the different ones and kind of how that happens i mean do you you test folks to figure out which one they fall in and how that works yeah so in in terms of how you know your number yes there are some assessments out there and some are better than others Um, i have one that i send clients to that's one of the more statistically valid and reliable assessments that are out there but the truth is, because this is such deep work, I always tell clients to think of those assessment results as a data point um, that you then need to kind of come in and vet and make sure that it resonates for you because it's easy to mistype yourselves, especially if you're using some of the, the less helpful instruments that are out there. But in answer to your question more directly, once you're clear about your numbers, so I'll, I'll just use myself as an example. So I'm a one on the Enneagram, one of the nine numbers. And so my, the core need of a one, the core kind of ego need, that I have is to be perfect. And so any of the nine numbers or all of them are going to have one of these sort of core ego needs. Now, the trick with the Enneagram is not to let the tail wag the dog. So the part of me that is able to do lots of really good creative problem solving, that's the core gift of a one. So I'm able, for example, to sit with teams and see solutions to problems that everybody else seems are intractable. You know, I would sit in in, in divorce negotiations when I was practicing law and people would be you know, it would just seem hopeless and people would feel helpless. And I would consistently be able to, not every time, but I would consistently be able to sort of see the forest through the trees and those kinds of things. And because one's on the Enneagram are one of the more active numbers, one of the more doing oriented numbers, I would have the energy to kind of bring the plane in fully for a landing. So those are my strengths. Now, the best part of you is the worst part of you is one of the core mantras of the Enneagram. And so the part of me that's able to kind of look for things to fix, look for problems, see what's right, what's wrong, what's good, what's bad. If I'm not careful in managing myself, well, that can bleed over into 
perfectionism. Everything's got to be perfect or judgmentalism. You're not doing all the things I think you should be doing. I'm not doing the things I think I should be doing. So that same kind of energy of fixing things and improving things can, can you can hear, it can turn into something that's less helpful. And that's true across all the numbers on the Enneagram. So when I'm working with people and you have that kind of knowledge, and this is just a high level answer to your question, but sure. when you have that kind of knowledge, you can start to see, all right, so am I fully leveraging my problem, my problem solving skills? Am I in a job or in a role that allows me to do that? Am I really tapping into that part of myself in a conscious way consistently? And am I making sure that I'm not getting into perfectionism and sort of hand wringing and indecision from trying to make the right decision all the time? Am I really judging other people to follow some set of standards that they haven't signed up for? That's, that's not mine to kind of put on them. So that's that's a lot. That's a, sort of a, a general answer to your question. And then, of course, you can apply that to a person's particular situation. So if you come to me and say, I'm struggling with X, Y or Z in my business, we can start to connect the dots between what is it about your Enneagram number, your Enneagram strategy that might be getting in your way. So what what new learning, new knowledge could come from you recognizing that you're, say, a four or a five or a seven or whatever, whatever you would be. Folks, we're here chatting with Ben Papa. Ben is uh, the founder, uh, CEO of the Enne- of Enneagram Solutions. Now, Ben, you mentioned your background, and I want to just kind of pause and take a side trip down that, that road uh, because you've got an interesting uh, background uh, in terms of how you got to where you are now and what that journey looks like. Why don't you share that with everyone? Yes, I practiced law for 18 years. And the vast majority of that time, I was in the family law space. And in the vast majority of that time, the services that I was providing to clients were sort of out of court, settlement based approaches to divorce. And the main process, I did some mediation, but the main process was a process called collaborative divorce, which is a team based settlement, settlement based approach to divorce out of court. And so if the model is you've got the clients that are obviously needing to work through all of the issues you need to work through to get to a divorce settlement, they have attorneys, collaboratively trained attorneys, and you have a neutral mental health professional and a neutral financial person that are this part of the process. And so collectively, you've got these professionals trying to support these people and making all these decisions about their family, their finances, all those kinds of things in the midst of a lot of um, emotional complexity, sometimes high conflict, oftentimes very high financial complexity. If there's businesses that need to be valued and divided, those kinds of things. And so um, I was the found, founding uh, president of the Middle Tennessee Collaborative Alliance and was, was one of the leaders bringing collaborative divorce to Middle Tennessee uh, back in 2009, 2008, 2009 in that range. Um, and so I worked a lot of those cases. That was sort of my, it was sort of my baby, if you will, the collaborative mm-hmm. divorce process was. And so what I found in working those cases was I'm the one on the Enneagram and I would be able to see solutions to problems and those kinds of things in ways that some of my colleagues might not be as able to do. They had a different set of strengths, my, but my strength would be particularly sort of seeing solutions over and over again. And part of what I found was what I really like in the world and what I really enjoy doing professionally is that work. And being someone's aligned divorce attorney, first of all, comes with a lot of cultural load and baggage. It comes with some ethical obligations and responsibilities such that I would 
sort of my hands were a little bit tied in terms of being able to really get in there with the group as a whole and figure out what we need to do collectively. So as I noticed that about myself, and then I also set up a training company um, where I would travel around the country training other people to be collaborative divorce professionals and, and realized how much I love developing trainings, leading trainings, facilitating workshops, those kinds of things. So the combination of those two things kind of led me to kind of wind down my practice of law and open my consulting business which allows me to go in and as a consultant, do that problem solving work, but I'm totally uh, free to kind of operate and ask questions and push buttons and and create new solutions to things with leadership teams and boards of directors, that sort of thing. And then I also do a whole lot of uh, workshops and trainings and those kinds of things. So I basically took the parts of my law practice that were sort of my favorites, kind of my gifts, if you will. And then we're and doing a whole lot more of that work now in, a, in, the, in the business space, business consulting space. That's a great story. Uh, and it's a great story because you really acted out in, in real life what you help organizations with now, right? I mean, you, you figured out what your strengths were and uh, you, you, you took it in a different direction. So congratulations on that. Um, so let's, let's talk a little bit about, uh, just using the Enneagram for organizational effectiveness, effectiveness, how a business can do that. Yeah. So for example, I'm working with a client now that, um, was struggling with collaboration. They, people were siloed. There was, uh, there's, was some confusion in terms of what the, uh, direction of the organization is those kinds of things. And so they brought me in to do a variety of things, one of which was to lead a workshop for the organization as a whole um, around the Enneagram and collaboration. So this organization had had some exposure to the Enneagram already, and they were wanting to kind of take it to another level, be a little more strategic with it, which is what my business does. Um, and so we did that. We did sort of a half day workshop. And then I was able to actually meet with each of the functional intact teams within the organization in smaller groups to sort of say, okay, what did you learn? Let's apply that to the eight or 10 or 12 of you in this working team. So what are, how do we use your Enneagram number and what you're learning about collaboration to solve actual on the ground problems that this particular team is having around collaboration? So I did that with all the teams in the company. And then I met uh, last with the leadership team and sort of said, okay, here's what I'm hearing from themes I'm hearing from all of the different um, intact teams around collaboration. What's going on with that? So I offered some kind of consulting uh, observations and, and, and suggestions around change. And so we're about to kind of move into a new, a new phase with that, with that client where we're going to be doing some more intentional leadership development now that we've kind of learned you know, from the, the troops in the field, if you will, kind of what the issues are, the leadership team and the, the CEO are all thinking about, um, you know, how can we create, for example, a more intentional leadership pipeline um, in our company, which there isn't really a clear leadership development pipeline right now. And that, they, that would clarify a lot of their issues. How can we have more, a, a more a tighter, more trust based, more aligned leadership team? Um, so that we can potentially head off some of the siloing and confusion that we're hearing about downstream. So that's just an example of some of the the issues that uh, that the Enneagram can come in and deal with. But really, like I say, it's the Enneagram is just a tool to get to self-awareness, collaboration, and engagement, which are nearly universal concepts in companies. Some are going to have more or less trouble in more or one of those areas. Um, 
And so this company happened to be working with collaboration right now, but other companies, it could be an engagement problem. Other companies, there could be a lack of self-awareness and self-regulation. And so we need to figure out how to do that. So I kind of try to meet my clients where they are in that way. You know, Ben, you mentioned something there that, that uh, has resonance uh, with all of us today, and that's um, building trust. You know, trust is at a, at a, at a low level when it comes to leadership across a lot of different, uh, spectrum. And so, and, and I think that's one issue that a lot of organizations are having internally, right? So drill down into the trust aspect and how the work you do helps build trust within an organization. Yeah, that's a great question. Yeah, if you think about organizational health as a whole, there's kind of four four pillars of, of organizational health. And the first one is to build a strong, cohesive leadership team. And so then if you drill down to that, the absolute foundation, indispensable foundation to have a strong, cohesive leadership team is trust. Um, and more specifically, vulnerability-based trust. Um, I, I work, Patrick Lencioni is sort of the organizational development guru that I'm, I'm trained in his stuff and I use his, his stuff a lot integrated in other things I do. And he's a huge, huge fan of that. And I think he's exactly right about that because if you're, if you think about a leadership team of six or eight people, um, you know, they really have to, I have to know that I can dive into this initiative. And if you're on the team with me, if something goes poorly, you're going to have my back and you're, if I'm going to, if you're in charge of marketing and I'm in charge of finance, say, and I, you know, have some projection that doesn't really end up panning out or whatever, that you're going to support me around that, that you're not going to use that as an opportunity to kind of advance above or around me. That there's not backbiting going on. Um, and also you, it thwarts creativity. If I don't trust you, if I don't trust the people I'm in the room with, then I'm in this kind of defensive closed off space. And so I'm not going to be as open to innovation. I'm not going to be as open to clear communication. Um, and because I'm in this defensive space, I'm also going to be looking for ways in which I can push your buttons, sometimes unconsciously, sometimes consciously. There's not going to be an open flow of ideas and communication. Conflict is either going to be handled poorly or it's going to be swept under the rug and not handled at all, both of which are super damaging for leadership teams. So I don't want to go on and on and on, but you asked a great question. Trust really is uh, the ground. And the other thing that trust points to is, we are human beings first and foremost. I say that to my clients all the time. Before we're CEOs or spouses or parents or parishioners or whatever else we are, we are human beings. And so we've got to take that seriously, which is why this self-awareness work is so important. And why when I'm trying to develop trust on, for example, a leadership team, I'm spending a whole lot of time on individual and collective self-awareness. Because if I know what you're up against and your Enneagram number, for example, I can have a lot more empathy for you and a lot more compassion for you if you're struggling in a moment, as opposed to assuming you're just being a jerk in some way because you're not doing life the way I'm doing it in my Enneagram number. So there's, that's why the Enneagram can lead to a lot of compassion and understanding, which can feed that trust energy that, that we need. And that uh, is an extraordinarily helpful place to be for organizations, given the separation, everyone is going through, uh, even still now, even though we're opening up and, uh, folks are, seem to be coming back to the office to some degree, um, when you're separated, right. And all you see is a, a, uh, image on zoom and you don't have that face-to-face connection and collaboration. 
Yeah, I do think that I think the pandemic has been has taken a toll on collaboration that we probably are not fully clear about yet. Um, You know, and Zoom has been a godsend in many ways, you know, and it's it's made things possible that would have been impossible before there was Zoom. And it is, in my opinion, a distant second in terms of uh, being live with people, seeing being in the room with people, watching body language in a way that you can't if everybody is sort of facing and staring into their screen. You know, the little the sort of little offhanded conversations and comments that happen before and after meetings, you know, the lunch that you might grab after the meeting or the happy hour or whatever it is that you're doing, you know, all of that stuff is lost with Zoom and, and all of those kinds of things can build relationships, can build trust. Um, so you're right. I'm, I'm My clients are coming back uh, live again, which I'm super grateful for. My calendar is stacked very heavily for the second half of the year, anticipating that um, things will be opening back up and, you know, workshops will be live again, which is so much easier and more, um, it's easier to learn at a deeper level. It's more interesting for everybody to, to do these workshops live. So I'm looking forward to it. And I do think that businesses will see a shift in their uh, ability to um, grow uh, based on this collaboration, uh, sort of re-engagement, if you will. Folks, we're, we're here chatting with Ben Papa. He is with Enneagram Solutions. Uh, so Ben, uh, you your work manifests itself in a lot of different ways, uh, uh, coaching with individuals. Uh, you're, you're heavily involved, though, in consulting. Let's talk about what that is, how you consult with organizations, uh, and how you work with them in that way. Yeah. So consulting is sort of the umbrella term for the three tactical things that I do. So consult, you know, consult, people are going to come to me and for example, and it's like my, this client I talked about earlier, you know, we really feel like we need some help with collaboration. We're seeing some prioritization issues, some confusion. We need to be able to collaborate more effectively. So they're, the clients are going to come to me with a problem or they might come in and say, we've got a lot of conflict on our senior leadership team. Um, some of it's overt, some of it's covert, some of it's, you know, passive aggressive, but we're, we're out of sync and it's causing problems for the business. And so can you help us figure out what we need? Or, you know, we've got way too many people reporting to the CEO. We need some help figuring that out because the CEO is too spread out to be able to be effective. So whatever the issue is, as a, I'm going to put my consulting hat in on to come in and say, all right, what are, what's going on with that? And then in terms of the three tactical services that I provide, one is workshops. So a lot of times there's an educational element and I do real interactive workshops. So it's not just, it's not like a me just standing in front of the room behind a, it's not a lecture, it's not a speech. It's facilitating learning, facilitating conversation with people to kind of learn some new ways of thinking about things. Some of that can be Enneagram related. Some of that can be other kinds of learning. So I do a lot of that and that can be for whole organizations. It can be for departments. It can be for sort of subsets of the company, whatever that is. The second piece is team. So really, really taking that learning and applying it in a functioning team. So what, so we've learned these things in these workshops. What do we do with that? How do we actually fully integrate it into the business so that we're actually using it and leveraging it to improve things or to solve a problem? So I do a lot of team coaching, team facilitation, team development work. Um, and the last but not least, I do do some leadership coaching with leadership with individual leaders inside organizations that may be struggling in particular, or, you know, the CEO or the senior, somebody else in the senior leadership team may just need 
um, to shake things up in their own thinking. They've been successful and they've been doing things the way they do them because they do them that way. And, you know, complexity has jumped up or we've had a pandemic or whatever else is happening. And we need to be able to think differently or think more broadly or change the paradigm. And so I can do some individual coaching with them. So it just really depends on the client. I mean, some clients use all three, some use one, some use two. And I come in and out of my clients' lives. And so I may come in one year and do one piece and they may call me the next year to come in and do something completely different. But that's that's sort of the way it works. So let's talk about the types of organizations that you work with. Um, give us a profile there. Uh, and if you can use some names, that's great. If not, that's fine. But just the types of organizations that, that um, are good clients for you. Yeah, so I'll answer that generally and then specifically. So my ideal client is um, a mid-sized company, and I'll say something about that in a second. Um, I always say based east of the Mississippi because I'm based east of the Mississippi, and I love the idea of being able to go in and do some live work with people. Mm-hmm. I've got a lot of clients in all, all across the eastern part of the country, um, and I enjoy a little bit of travel. I enjoy being able to meet with people. I think it's more effective for them. So if you start to fly out to California, it starts to get harder to do that. So my ideal client, at least, is east of the Mississippi. And I usually am, am get connected through directors of organizational development or HR leaders, usually at the director level or higher, that have some say in kind of the kind of work that I do, the, the authority to bring in um, external uh, partners like like what I do with people. Um, in terms of midsize, it just needs to be big enough that there's enough uh, moving parts, enough enough going on that the kind of work that I do can feel valuable. If you're a three or four person shop, there's probably not going to be enough uh, moving parts going on for me to be useful. If you get to be too big, then either you've got a whole internal team whose full time job it is to do the kind of stuff that I do, um, and, and larger companies can also. There's there's unfortunately I have found. Um, they can lose some creativity. They can lose some agility to be able to kind of move in interesting ways. And so I found that those kind of mid-sized companies are able to, to be big enough to need help, but also small enough to be able to be creative and think out of the box and, and do things, which is kind of what I enjoy doing with people. Um, in terms of specific clients, I'm, I mean, my website says, and I've got permission for my clients to say, uh, the Country Music Association is a client of mine here in Nashville. Mm-hmm. Um, Genesis Healthcare up in Ohio is one. I do some work with the state of Tennessee. Um, you know, there's, those are a handful. I've worked with the Healing Trust in the past here in Nashville, a nonprofit uh, group. So I do some work with nonprofits as well. Awesome. Now, and again, don't have to mention names, but I'd love it if you talk about maybe a success story where your intervention has led to uh, some results that that organization's pretty proud of. Yeah, so um, I am co- coaching a senior leader in a company, and you know that person has been. There was some struggles in the past around um, collaboration with the rest of the senior leadership team. Um, and part of it was the the client, what she figured out over time was um, her image of herself and how she sort of wanted to show up as a professional was actually blocking her ability to kind of show up with people. So she would seem a little aloof, a little standoffish in ways that were uh, sort of hurting her ability to connect with this relatively intact um, senior leadership team. So we've done a lot of work around kind of 
changing the paradigm around how you uh, think about what it means to be quote unquote professional, how it's important to actually keep your feelings and your emotions on board as you lead, because you can't just sort of set that stuff on the shelf and, and move forward without kind of losing some of your humanity with people. And it's hard to trust somebody that doesn't look and feel fully human to you. And so keeping emotions there in a right size way. That doesn't mean being a basket case, of course, but it does mean staying staying emotionally alive and emotionally engaged um, as you lead. And so there's been a lot of shift um, both on the team that she leads as well as the 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 rest of the senior leadership team and the CEO's kind of experience of her um, has all been has been good. So that's uh, that's that's one example of of uh, coaching a leader um, around some of these issues. That's awesome. Now, I, this may seem like an obvious question, but I've I've learned sometimes the most obvious questions are the ones that you don't ask because they're ob- you think they're obvious or the ones you need to ask. How do I know if I'm an organization? Um, how do I know that I need to pick up the phone and get in touch with Ben? What what do I need to look at in terms of what's going on in my organization to know that I'm I'm in need of your services? Yeah. So if you think of business success as consisting of two different things, one is what we call business intelligence. And that's kind of the kind of stuff you learn in business school. So you got to have, you got to know about sales. You got to have, have some information about operations and finance and those kinds of things, kind of the nuts and bolts of being in business. So that's sort of door number one. Door number two is what we call organizational health or organizational effectiveness. And that's basically the stuff that I work with clients on. That is the ability to have a high functioning um, leadership team, for example, that's really the most important element in a company because so much flows from it in terms of culture and all kinds of other things. Um, and so if you're, if you're struggling around, you know, our leadership team just continues to feel out of sync for reasons. And we're not exactly sure we've got the right people here. We feel like they've got the expertise that they need to have, but for some reason we're just, we're missing some, some synapse is not hitting with some other one or we're plateaued you know, we just kind of keep doing the same thing the way we do it because we do it and we're not seeing the business results that we used to see anymore because of that, you know, or we're new to each other and we don't really know each other. We really want to kind of get up to speed fast and we don't want a big lag and lose the sort of business opportunities that might be out there because we're trying to kind of figure out who we are um, as a team or as leaders. Um, So basically, if you think about organizational health as kind of the platform on which the business intelligence can be accessed. So the more the more organizational health you have, the more bandwidth you have to be able to access the business intelligence. If you're spending all your time on politics and confusion and disconnection and you know interpersonal issues and that kind of stuff, you're not going to be able to spend as much time and energy on strategy and operations and growth and innovation and the kinds of things that you can you can use. So when something's out of sync with the human being elements of a leadership team is maybe a succinct way to answer your question. Yeah, that that's, yeah, that makes perfect sense. And, uh, but this, you know, Ben, this has been great. And I, I think, um, uh, a lot of folks out there can benefit from knowing you and working with you. And that really leads to my, our most important question, which is if, if someone's heard something that really turns them on, uh, turns on a light bulb and says, Hey, I need to get in touch with Ben. How can they do that? Yes. Yeah, so you can go to my website, 
BenjaminPapa.com. That's one way. There's links there. You can just send me a direct email, Ben at BenjaminPapa.com. That's the best way. And then I would just schedule a, a free strategy session to kind of talk about what's going on with them, how I might be able to help or not. If I can't help, I can send them to somebody else who can. But um, that's that's kind of the first step. But my website, BenjaminPapa.com, is really probably the best best place to start. There's also all, a lot of information about me, my services, those kinds of things there as well that could be helpful for folks. Ben Papa, folks, with Enneagram Solutions. Ben, it's been a pleasure. Yeah, thank you. I appreciate it. Yeah, thank you so much. Folks, just a quick reminder, you can find this show, Nashville Business Radio, on all the major podcast platforms. Uh, Here's what my ask to you is. Uh, If you find the show helpful, um, we would love it if you would go find the show on your favorite podcast app, subscribe. And again, Nashville Business Radio is a search term. And we would love it if you give us a five-star review. It's, it's not about me. It's not about Business Radio X. It's about our guest. We want our uh, a guest to be able to connect with folks that need their services. And that's a great way to help make that happen. So if you could uh, go give us a great review, we would really appreciate that. Um, if you want to know more about the show, our network, you can go to businessradiox.com and find out more there uh, and find out about uh, the other great shows that we have across the Business Radio X network. So for my guest, Ben Papa, I'm John Ray. Join us next time here on Nashville Business Radio.